Hey, cross trainers, Donnie P coming at you on the 31st of July, 2022. Beautiful day here on the Gold Coast, Australia. Uh, yeah, just awesome. It's been so nice. Went to the beach earlier today and it was beautiful. Um, today I want to talk to you about Psalm 22, which is the Psalm of David. And it's a, um, a prophecy of David. Uh, David lived around 1000 BC, according to scholars. And so that was 1,000 years prior to Jesus Christ coming onto the scene of humanity. So I find it really interesting uh, what's actually in Psalm 22, because it's actually a uh, messianic prophecy, because when you read the content of Psalm 22, David clearly is not talking about himself, because, you know, what actually uh, happens to the person uh, mentioned in Psalm 22 never fully happened to David. He might have experienced some of the parts of uh, what Psalm 22 is talking about, but uh, he didn't experience all of it. And yeah, it's clearly pointing to Jesus. And Jesus actually directly quoted from Psalm 22 during his crucifixion. So I find it absolutely amazing. And anyone that says that the Bible is, is not real and not valid and not true is kidding themselves. It's actually the most historically accurate book out there, uh, literally on, on the face of the earth. Uh, if anyone studies it properly, they will find that the history contained in the Bible is absolutely amazing. So I'm just going to read it for you. I'll read the whole thing and we'll talk about it and unpack it as we go. So verse 1, I'm reading from the classic uh, amplified version, the version that is my absolute favourite. Uh, yeah, I, I pretty much always read this version. So if it's different from what you're looking at, that explains it. But yeah, it's sort of similar. Um, so yeah, verse 1, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you remember the recount of Jesus on the cross, he he said, uh, Eli, Eli, lama sab- sabachthani, which translated from the language that he spoke in, means exactly that. He's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So these, these are the words of David a thousand years before Christ even arrived onto the scene of, uh, yeah, onto the human stage, so to speak. So, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Well, you'd be thinking that, wouldn't you, when you're up there, when you're being crucified and you're, you're trying to struggle to, to, um, to breathe. And yeah, you'd, you'd certainly be thinking that. Um, so, yeah, that's quite amazing in itself. Verse 2, oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you answer not. And by night, I'm not silent or find no rest. Well, a lot of people in trouble have often lost sleep due to it. But in prior versions, I talked, well, prior podcasts, I talked about no weapon formed against you will prosper. And insomnia is a weapon. And we should have good sleep because we're God's children. And sleep is actually a blessing from God. And that's part of the scriptures as well. Off the top of my head, I don't uh, have the reference for that, but it is actually in, in the word. Sleep is a promised blessing for the, the people of God. So 
Verse 3, you are holy, O you who dwell in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. Verse 4, our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, leaned on, relied on you and were confident and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in, leaned on, confidently relied on you and were not ashamed or confounded or disappointed. Well, you, you can see it basically said the same thing twice there. So obviously God wants us to get the point that we need to trust in him, rely on him, be confident in him, and he will deliver us. He, he promises that. So verse 6 uh, from David again, he says, But I am a worm and not a man. I'm the scorn of men and despised by the people. Well, yeah, Jesus was despised by the people. And interestingly enough, he said, well, if they did it to me, they'll do it to you. So don't be surprised if as a person that believes in God, uh, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and God the Father, that, uh, yeah, don't be surprised that a little bit of grief may come your way in terms of what this world has to say about you. But don't bother about that because, yeah, God said that would happen. Verse 7, all who see me laugh at me and mock me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted and rolled himself on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him seeing that he delights in him. So you, you may recall that when Jesus was on the cross, he was being mocked by people who said, oh, well, you know, if this guy is actually the son of God, well, you know, let God get him down from there and let him save him, himself. And, you know, they're mocking him and ridiculing him and shaking their heads and their hands and their fingers and rolling their eyes and, you know, just generally uh, heaping scorn and uh, ridicule upon Jesus. And, yeah, this is straight out of Psalm 22, but it happened in, uh, yeah, in the crucifixion recount. Uh, you, you, you can read about it in Matthew, Mark and Luke. Uh, it's it's all there. Verse 9 of Psalm 22. Yet you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me hope and trust when I was on my mother's breast. Verse 10. I was cast upon you from my very birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. So, yeah, that's basically saying, well, you know, from the, the time that I was born, even you know, when I was fully dependent on parents uh, for everything, sustenance and, yeah, just life itself. God was right there. He's He's been my God. This is David, but I'm paraphrasing it in my words. So even from the early days of breastfeeding, um, you know, from my mother's womb when I was born, you, you've been my God. Uh, so, yeah, God will never leave us or forsake us. Uh, he, he has also said that, uh, verse 11, be not far from me for trouble is near and there is none to help. Well, how much like today is that? We, we can't rely on anyone or anything other than God for our help because we're basically relying on man or expecting men to bail you out every single time is somewhat delusional because as a, as a believer, we've got to put our hope and trust in God. I mean, if we can get help from other humans, uh, well, fantastic, but we shouldn't be looking to them. We should be looking to God for our help. Um, verse 12, many foes like bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have hedged me in. Well, Bashan 
is an area east of the Jordan River in the Holy Land in Israel, and um, it is uh, the well, it's basically the Golan Heights today, which is an extremely strategic part of Israel. It's uh, literally one of the highest parts of Israel, if not the highest part of Israel. Um, I stand to be corrected on that, but um, it's very strategic because from there you can see into Syria and all all over the place. And um, right now the uh, Iranians and Russians and Syrians are hanging around stockpiling weapons and yeah, doing all sorts of things. And you can see into Lebanon and all of that. And yeah, the Israelis, it's, it's a very strategic uh, point for them. And the 1967 war uh, revolved around that area because everyone in that area knows how important the Golan Heights are. But um, in reference to the, the bulls of Bashan, I've studied that a little bit. And the, the bulls that used to live there um, they would um, often uh, basically um, attack uh, helpless victims in sort of herds and surround them and trample over them and just literally run them over. And they were quite fierce. So, yeah, it's it's interesting what you uncover, um, you know, when you when you dig a bit deeper. So, strong bulls of Bashan have hedged me in. So. That's sort of saying, well, you know, the the bulls are about to trample on him, and the crucifixion recount. That's what happened. They they got Jesus and put him on that cross, and yeah, um, you obviously can read the rest of what happened. Um, verse thirteen: Against me they have opened their mouths wide, like a ravening and roaring lion. Well, that's exactly what lions do when they're about to attack. And uh, when they're hungry, they'll just roar and, yeah, they'll open their mouths wide, ready to uh, pull the uh, prey to pieces. Uh, Verse 14, I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. Well, uh, in the uh, recount of the crucifixion, you can read that Jesus received such a flogging from the Roman soldiers that his bones were visible. It's interesting that scripture also says or prophesies that not a single bone of his would be broken, whereas uh, it was commonplace for the Roman soldiers to break uh, the the legs of someone that was being crucified on, on a cross because without their legs they couldn't push themselves up and open their lungs up and and breathe and that would pretty quickly kill them so yeah that's basically why the romans came along and broke their legs when they were near death uh just so they couldn't push themselves up and they would expire on on the cross but uh jesus died through the uh wound received by the roman soldier thrusting a spear into his side when the blood and water came out but not one of Jesus' bones was broken, even though his body was just shredded. And yeah, it's 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 just horrendous what he went through. Um, but yeah, uh, I have no doubt that his bones were uh, out of place and out of joint. Um, and it says here in the rest of the verse, verse 14, My heart is like wax, it is softened with anguish and melted down within me. Well, Jesus would have just gone through all sorts of mental and emotional torment um at that time and if not for preparing himself in the garden prior and well basically throughout his whole ministry uh things could have worked out very differently but 
he he was uh Emmanuel God in the flesh God with us so yeah uh God has never lost a battle to Satan yet and never will and that's just the uh the fact of the matter um verse 15 my strength is dried up like a fragment of clay pottery well yeah when you're being crucified that is exactly what would happen and it says with thirst my tongue cleaves to my jaws well you you might recall in the crucifixion recount uh someone came along with sour wine or or vinegar actually and tried to put it to jesus lips to drink but previously to to the crucifixion he said well you know uh, yeah it was at the last supper that uh, he wouldn't drink again of wine and until uh his kingdom um so yeah he he didn't take of, of that sour wine or vinegar um so uh, let's see the verse of yeah rest of verse 15 and you brought me into the dust of death well that's what happened uh when jesus gave up his spirit uh and surrendered it to god um verse 16 for like a pack of dogs they have encompassed me a company of evildoers has encircled me they pierced my hands and my feet well that didn't happen to david david um wasn't uh put on a cross and crucified uh he may have had wounds from battles but uh nothing like that so it's this is clearly not talking about david verse 16 is not about david it's actually a a prophecy of uh yeah what would happen to the uh, messiah um in yeah just just amazing detail consider that this was written a thousand years before jesus ever um you know was even thought of it's absolutely amazing verse 17 i can count all my bones the evildoers gaze at me well you know david was often um, under threat from uh, absalom and you know often in peril and and so forth but he, he never went through that stuff, you know, where all of his bones were exposed and the evildoers were surrounding him, even though evil people did surround David in battle, etc., but nothing like what Jesus went through. Verse 18, this is uh, amazing to me. Uh, this didn't happen to David either. Uh, they part my clothing among them and cast lots for my raiment, which uh in the amplified says it's a long shirt like garment a seamless under tunic so keep in mind that uh the the temple curtain uh had no seam in it it was seamless and the garment that jesus had was also seamless so i find that very interesting um but yeah the roman soldiers did cast lots for the clothing of jesus and when you think about it well okay why would they do that well the answer is a person that has died won't need to wear any clothes but it, it actually also signifies how precious and valued what jesus was wearing was and how unusual it was uh in that it didn't have a seam in the uh undergarment um yeah and to me that's symbolic of who jesus was and where he came from because um you know with that uh, temple curtain having no seam and his undergarment or cloak or whatever uh seamless under tunic it says um you know it's yeah put two and two together um in terms of that both were seamless and both were very valuable 
so verse 19, Be not far from me, O Lord, O my help, hasten to aid me. Well, David often said that, so did Jesus, and truthfully, so should we. Um, there's another scripture that says, well, I, I lift up my eyes. Uh, where does my help come from? My help comes from the, the, the maker, uh, the, the Lord of heaven and earth. Um, you know, so we, we should be looking to God for, for help. Whenever we're in strife or trouble, that's where our help comes from. Um, so yeah, we, we, we need to call out to God to, um, to hasten to aid us. Uh, verse 20, deliver my life from the sword, my dear life, my only one from the power of the dog, the agent of execution. Uh, well, that applied to David um, and it applies to any believer in peril of war or persecution. Um, yeah, that, that's a common thing. Uh, verse 21, save me from the lion's mouth for you have answered me kindly from the horns of the wild oxen. Verse 22, for I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Um, yeah, well, Jesus in, in the temple or when he was walking around was always, uh, you know, promoting his father and he was always all about his father's business and, um, yeah, promoting the, the father, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, Verse 23, for you who fear, revere and worship the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Fear, revere and worship him. All you offspring of Israel. Well, that's basically for us as well, not just physical Israel, because you might recall when Jesus was walking around, uh, people with all sorts of illnesses would often shout out, son of David, have mercy on me. Um, you know, so... Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that Jesus' entire lineage uh, is recorded in Scripture. I think it's in um, the first chapter of Matthew. To be yeah, off the top of my head, um, his entire lineage and people knew that he was uh, from royalty. Um, you know, from King David. But the lineage goes back even further, I believe. But yeah. That's why people shouted out to him as he walked by, son of David, have mercy on me, because, you know, they were clearly familiar with the fact that he was a rabbi. He was making waves in Israel at, at the time. He was uh, stirring up the, the religious power base and challenging the uh, religious uh, people. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just very interesting. But, yeah, we should fear revere and worship the lord uh when i say fear it, it's actually a uh, an old-fashioned way of saying to uh, respect him but there's also a scripture that says the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom so we should actually have a holy and wholesome fear of god because He's the one that holds the keys to um, eternity, to our existence here and to everything else. And we need to give him his rightful place in life and to realise that he is the creator. We are the created. He makes the rules and we need to follow them. Not saying that he wants automatons, robots or anyone like that, but uh, we're to follow Jesus and to bring him honour and do what he said to bring him glory. Um, 
Verse 24, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither has he hidden his face from him, but when he cried to him, he heard. So this is just showing as well that God will always hear us when we're in in distress or when we're under some sort of um, affliction or persecution. Jesus is right there. Well, he, he, he lives in us, in fact. The Holy Spirit lives in us. So Jesus, God the Father and the Holy Spirit are right there in us, like right now. Um, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you right now, and he lives in me right now. So wherever we go, uh, God is going with us. Uh, verse 25, My praise shall be of you in the great congregation. I'll uh, pay on him my vows made in the time of trouble before them who grieve, revere, and worship him. So, yeah, talking about a lot of customs of, of the day, but, yeah, we, we should be able to praise God. Um, if we make a vow to God, we should keep it, but we should be very careful with our words regarding vows because uh, if we vow something to God, he's going to expect us to honour what we said. So I would encourage you to not, um, yeah, not take that flippantly. Um, if you're going to say something like that, then you better be prepared to honour it because God will call you on it. Um, so verse 26, the poor and the, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord. They who diligently seek for, inquire of and for him and require him as their greatest need. May your hearts be quickened now and forever. Well, that's really significant. So if we require him as our greatest need, above anything else. Uh, It's easy in this world to get sucked into money and possessions and stuff um, and to put God at at the back of the queue or put him right down the pecking order, not spend time with him, not read his word. I mean, I'm I'm not having a go at you. I'm commenting about my own past behavior because I've done all of these things. And uh, if you're honest with yourself, it doesn't matter about me. I'd I don't care if you're if you're honest with me or not. It's not not my problem. But if you're honest with yourself, you you can say the same. Um, so we we really need to um, praise God and diligently seek Him uh, to inquire of Him and require Him as our greatest need to put Him and His Word above anything or anyone else, including our own five senses, our emotions, our life experience to date, anything else, put God above all of that and um, exalt him. Um, and when when we do give God first place, um, our lives will come into divine uh, order and uh, we will prosper if, if we do it uh, out of uh, being, well, out of a uh, genuine heartfelt thing. Um, so verse 27, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall bow down and worship before you. So this is the prophecy of uh, Jesus, uh, what will happen when people realize who he actually is. When they remember, they'll, re- they'll actually turn to God and the families of all nations will bow down and worship before Jesus and we'll be there with him and so yeah we'll be uh, eyewitnesses of of that see this world is currently controlled by Satan 
as Satan's kingdom. Uh, Jesus is sovereign, but when you recall the Lord's Prayer, um, it, it says, well, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, meaning that right now God's will is not being done on earth and God is not sovereign on the earth. He is sovereign over all, but he gave man the authority to rule over this earth, but we abdicated that authority and the enemy took it in, in the garden and the enemy has stolen and uh, usurped our authority and has been turning this place into a bit of a nightmare, particularly lately. Um, it's just getting worse and worse. And so God, as, as challenging as this may be for you, God is not in control of this world. If he was, then the Lord's Prayer would not be written that way. Um, and that is supported in Scripture. God is sovereign, but for the moment, Satan rules this earth. It's his kingdom, it's his domain. And that's why I hate, uh, Satan hates the, the church and Christians because um, we're the only ones standing in the way uh, between him and total destruction of, of everything. And if you recall what scripture says um, in Matthew 24 that I covered in a prior podcast, it says that if God didn't intervene, no flesh would be saved alive. Uh, the entire world and everything in it would be destroyed. That's Satan's goal. That's what the enemy wants to do, to just kill everything and everyone and to turn this place into into a, a wasteland. Um, and if not for God, he, he would actually be successful in that because the ways of man lead to death, uh, but God's ways uh, lead to um, eternal life. Um, so verse 28, for the kingship and the kingdom are the Lord's, and he is the ruler over the nations. Well, yeah, ultimately all nations and all people will give account of themselves to God. Um, that is true. He, he is the, the king of all. He's the Lord of all. But for, for now, um, see, the spirit realm is, is governed by laws. It's, it's all about laws. You know, uh, when you think about it, Jesus is our, uh, well, he, he's the one that is defending our case in heaven. Uh, he's the one that argues our case in, in the, the heavenly courts. Uh, you know, he's arguing on our behalf. He's, um, yeah, his, his blood covers all of our sins. You know, Satan comes before God day and night, uh, pointing the finger and going, uh, oh, Look what X, Y, and Z did, blah, blah, blah. But Jesus just goes, look, um, I've forgotten that. I've removed it as far as east is from the west. They're not guilty because they confessed and accepted me as their saviour and my blood covers all of their sins. So get lost, Satan. Um, you know, uh, so, yeah, we're, oh, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. But the entire spirit realm runs according to laws, uh, whether we like to admit it or not. But for now, as mentioned, God is not sovereign in this world, because if he was, if God was sovereign and he was causing all of this chaos and, and mess and murder and rape and whatever else is going on, then he wouldn't be worth following. But all of that stuff, none of that, none of the chaos and wickedness that we see in this world is of God. God didn't do it. Um, he's given humankind free moral agency to decide and in case you've been asleep for the last 20 years and particularly recently you may have actually figured it out that uh, 
men are uh, incredibly selfish and they're, they're doing their own thing and they've turned their back on God. They've thrown God out of their society, out of schools. They banned prayer. They banned the Bible. Uh, they pretty much tried to throw God out of uh, their entire society and the uh, chaos that uh, has come as a result of that should not be any surprise. So basically the church needs to wake up and to be who we are and to get our uh, authority back, go and trample over the enemy, which God said we could and should do, and get our authority back, the authority that Adam and Eve uh, abdicated in the garden. Uh, The enemy has been using the uh, kingly authority that uh, God gave to him uh, that he uh, abdicated in the garden. Uh, Satan got thrown out of heaven. That battle is over. Satan is not fighting God anymore. That battle happened ages ago and Satan lost and he got cast down to, uh, to earth. And yeah, he's been using our authority against us ever since. So we need to wake up and get our uh, authority back because... Um, Once we realize who we are in Christ and the authority that we have, uh, the enemy is a nothing and a nobody. We shouldn't be afraid of him. He's just got smoke and mirrors and lies. He's he's got no power. Um, You know, to to back that up, yeah, Scripture mentions about a herd of pigs that, uh, you know, demons beg to be cast into. Um, Yeah, in in Scripture, I think that might have been um, with the, the... demoniac in the the gadarenes or something like that i mean I, I could be wrong there but you you know the story about uh how there are a bunch of demons around and uh yeah i, I think it was actually the the demoniac uh mentioned there in the uh, gadarenes and um you know the 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 demons begged to be cast into some pigs because see demons don't have a body uh, they're, they're, they're just wandering spirits and um, they're, they're a bunch of nobodies because they, they need a body and a uh, agent to, um, uh, yeah, to, to work through. So God and uh, the enemy uh, need someone willing to work through and um, even, even a pig has more power and uh, authority than a demon because uh, demons are uh, without a body, <coughs> excuse me, and so um, that's why they beg to be cast into the pigs. But you might recall that uh, when they were, they uh, well, that entire herd of pigs went and drowned itself in in the water because uh, even even the pigs can't stand Satan, and um, they would rather be dead than be hijacked by him. Um, so yeah, the the Bible's just extremely interesting, but. Um, Let's get back to the to the scriptures. So yeah, verse twenty eight that we were talking about for the kingship and the kingdom are the Lord's, and he is a ruler over all nations. Well, yeah, I went on a little tangent before, but you know, uh, yeah, you you sort of get the point. And uh, verse twenty nine, all the mighty ones upon the earth shall eat in thanksgiving and worship, and they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. Well, none of us can. Um, yeah, none of us can prolong our lives forever or uh, keep death at bay. Uh, we are all here in this uh, jar of clay, which one day will lie down and then our spirit will return to God 
either either way. Um, so yeah, one of these days I'll do a um, a podcast on uh, what happens after we die and where where does our spirit go and what what happens to it. Um, you know, I'll talk about heaven and hell and all all that sort of stuff uh, in 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 the future. But uh, as mentioned in previous podcasts, I'm not trying to be the uh, authority on all knowledge. I'm learning as much as anyone else is. Um, I'm here doing this because I'm you know doing what uh, Cross Trainer says to uh, in- increase your knowledge and my knowledge of of the Word of God by reading it every week. Um, and every, every every day we should be looking at it every day and meditating on it and drinking it in. Um, so verse thirty: Posterity shall serve him; they shall tell of the Lord to the next generation. Well, look what happened after the crucifixion. Um, what Jesus did was so significant that literally every generation has been telling the the one to come after it uh, all about Jesus and his sacrifice and. Um, yeah, Jesus today is just as controversial as what he was when he walked the earth, probably even more so in a lot of ways because um, of the amount of wickedness that, that that's around in our generation. Um, verse 31, the final verse of uh, Psalm 22, they shall come and shall declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born, that he has done it, that it is finished. So you, you might recall that when Jesus gave up his spirit to the Father, he said, it is finished. And uh, it comes straight out of Psalm 22. But yeah, verse 31, as I just mentioned, uh, all, all people are, are telling their children, well, all believers, about what Jesus did, how significant the death of Christ was, is and will be to all humanity every single person that has ever lived and breathed. Um, there is no act or um, event that is more significant than the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's what gives us hope. Um, if not for that, we would have no hope. And I'd be um, right out there encouraging everyone to party and eat, drink and be merry because who who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. But um the the words of God in the Holy Scriptures uh, give us hope. They they give us a future, and um, you know the the end is told from the beginning. In prior podcasts, we talked about uh, the signs of of the times and um, the statue of Daniel that he interpreted uh, for Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's dream. It's basically a summary of um, entire human history. Uh, the uh, ruling kingdoms that will come and go right up until Jesus comes back. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing. Nobody and nothing and no yeah no power could summarize and predict what would happen uh, throughout uh, human history uh, for all ages, um, other than God. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah, Psalm twenty two is very significant. Uh, it it basically. Well, what it, what it says, uh, most of it didn't happen to David. So David was clearly prophesying about someone else. And um, what's said in Psalm 22 is exactly what happened to Jesus. And uh, a lot of the words uttered in Psalm 22 are the exact words that Jesus spoke in his crucifixion. So this is extremely significant. And um, 
for our Jewish friends out there, Psalm 22 proves that David was speaking of a Messiah to come. Um, the the Jewish people don't realize it just yet that Yeshua uh, has already been and gone. Uh, he's already come here, has already paid the sacrifice for us, and uh, he's already in heaven with the Father preparing a place for us. Uh, but when you read about the prophecies of, of the Jewish people, what's going to happen, uh, basically all, all of the Jewish people will, will be saved uh, before the uh, coming uh, trouble. Um, you know, I've co- covered this off in previous podcasts, but yeah, there'll, there'll, there'll be a lot of sorrow from the Jewish people when they realize that their, their saviour that they've been looking for has already come. He's already been and gone, um, yet uh, they, they their eyes are blinded right now. But the, the the time is coming when all of Israel will will be saved. And uh, tell tell you what 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 a what a fantastic thing when the Jewish people uh, come to realize that Yeshua uh, is their king. Um, you know, he was crucified as king of the Jews. Uh, I think Pilate said to him, well, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, well, you've answered, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I literally am. Um, I, I am the king of, of the Jews. And he's, he still is the, the king of the Jews and always will be the king of the Jews. But he's more than that. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Um, yeah, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is, is lord. So... I just, I just find this, uh, like the, the, the word of God, absolutely fascinating. It's, it's just amazing in every single way. The further you, the, that you dig into it, the more gold you'll, you'll get out of it. And it, it's, it's just such a profound book. There's no book like it. I mean, it literally is the instruction manual for mankind. And God wants us to engage with his book, uh, not because, uh, He's on any ego trip or anything, whether we engage with it or not is uh, up to us. Um, it doesn't affect him either way because he's still God. He's not a politician. He doesn't require anyone to vote for him. He's God whether we like it or, or not and regardless of what we do or don't do. But uh, he's given us this book as a, a guide to our lives uh, to lead us and, and direct us. And if we walk in his ways, we'll have a successful life. It's just that simple. So, well, you know, I, I really find Psalm 22 amazing. It's incredibly significant. Jesus uh, used the very words of Psalm 22 in his crucifixion at the cross. And yeah, that, that just demonstrates how important Psalm 22 is. So I really hope you have a great week coming up. Uh, be blessed, get stuck into the word. And uh, more importantly, uh, use the word to um, to increase your your faith and to increase your belief and to get to the point where signs, wonders, and miracles will follow you. And I intend to take my own advice and do that. Um, I have had times in my life where I've seen dramatic healings, and there's there's nothing like it. It's it's like a like a drug. It, it never gets old. It's it's just amazing. But we, we need to keep humble about it and realize that we, we're just very fortunate that God would use us, uh, uh, you know, to, to heal others. 
he's the healer, not us. I mean, I couldn't heal anyone or anything, but with the power of God, um, yeah, like all, all things are possible to, to those that believe. So anyway, I hope you have a great week. Uh, be blessed and get stuck into the word. Bye for now.